Hello, everyone, and welcome to Christ Fellowship Online. My name is Jeannie Rodriguez, and I want to thank you for joining us. If this is your first time, I want to invite you to pause the broadcast and fill out a connection card at cfmiami.org connect. This will help us connect with you and know how we can best serve you during this season. And now, a special message by Pastor Rick. Verse 1 says, I watched as the Lamb opened the first of the seven seals. Then I heard one of the four living, what? Yeah, creatures say in a voice like thunder, come. I looked and there before me was a white horse. The rider held a bow and he was given a crown and he rode out as a conqueror bent on conquest. What? Listen to verse 3. When the lamb opened the second seal, I heard the second living creature say, Come. Then another horse came out, a fiery red one. Its rider was given power to take peace from the earth and to make people kill each other. To him was given a great sword. Let's stop right there. Because people read that and go, Oh, yeah, now I remember why I don't like the book of Revelation. It's too weird. In fact, I had a pastor just tell me a few weeks back, he said, Rick, I would never preach the book of Revelation on Sunday. The book just feels too strange. And listen, listen, I get it. But at the same time, the book of Revelation is the most pivotal book in all of the Word of God. And even though it is strange, some of the phenomenon in it is strange, we need to understand it. And so today what I want to try to do is to help you understand the strange phenomenon in this book so that it makes sense to you. So with that in mind, at all of our campuses, if you would grab a seat... And uh, I want to set this up by sharing this with you. Back in 2016, many of you know that I was diagnosed with stage three colon cancer. Now, I got to tell you, I had no clue that that was coming. And frankly, I don't even think I understood what cancer really is. At any rate, my oncologist told me that I had stage three colon cancer, and he said, you're going to need 12 rounds of chemotherapy. You're going to need six months of chemotherapy. Now, again, I had heard the term chemotherapy, but again, I'm not sure I even knew what chemotherapy was. Now, follow the story, because within days... I found myself at the cancer ward at the hospital. I was given a seat, and a needle was injected just to the right side of my heart. And for three and a half hours, this chemical compound called chemical, called chemotherapy, was injected into my body. Then that needle was taken out, and another needle was injected into my chest. This one, however, had a pump connected to it, to which I asked, what's the pump for? Oh, you're going to carry that with you for 36 more hours, and it's going to inject an even more 
powerful dose of this chemotherapy into you. Finally, after 36 hours, I go back to the hospital. They pull out the needle. And the first of 12 rounds of chemotherapy is now inside my body. Chemotherapy. Sounds like such a nice term. Sounds like massage therapy. Sounds like aroma therapy. But folks, was I ever in for a revelation? Because it didn't feel like chemotherapy. It felt like a chemo nightmare. It felt like a chemo tribulation. Because I became sick. Like I, like I can't even describe to you. I mean, I began, I ended up in the emergency room because I was throwing up pieces of my insides. And this chemotherapy that was now inside of me, it felt weird. It felt strange. I had nightmarish kinds of dreams. People lose their hair, they lose their nails, they lose body weight. And you, and you literally feel like, like, like you're dying. But folks, after that first round of, of chemotherapy, that first round left me feeling strange. It left me feeling weird. And it left me even feeling a bit scared because I just didn't understand what was happening on the inside of me. So... I decided to do some research. I decided to do some reading to find out exactly what chemotherapy does to cancer and what the collateral damage to me was going to be. And once I read it and understood it, it, it made perfect sense to me. So here's what I discovered. Some of you already know this, but this is what I found out. To begin with, cancer, again, as many of you know, is, is an invasion of the body by rogue cells. Now, mind you, our bodies are comprised, are built out of cells. And under, in, under normal circumstances, our cells add to each other like this. But cancer is not normal. Cancer does not add cells to the body. It begins to multiply the cells. And the cells start an invasion and this, this cancer invasion begins to spread through the body. And it begins to push the organs and take over the organs. And inexorably, it pushes the life right out of the person. Now, you might be asking, well, how do you stop a cancer invasion? How do you stop it? Well, quite frankly... It's nearly unstoppable. In fact, the only way to stop a cancer invasion is to launch a counter invasion. And that's exactly what chemotherapy is. It is a counter invasion of those cells. But folks, here's what I learned that blew me away. Did you know that chemotherapy, the chemicals, is actually a derivative of mustard gas? I kid you not. 
In fact, it was discovered during World War I because in that war, the Germans were killing our soldiers with, with mustard gas because mustard gas attacks and kills human cells. But get this, when physicians autopsied some of the dead soldiers who had been killed by mustard gas, they found out that some of the soldiers already had cancer. In other words, they had the cancer before the mustard gas hit them. But check this out. The mustard gas had actually killed the cancer. In other words, the mustard gas killed the soldier, yes, but it also had killed and struck the cancer inside that soldier. So the question was, can mustard gas be controlled to kill cancer inside of a patient without killing the patient? And the answer was a resounding yes, but with this caveat, with this tension. The chemotherapy, the mustard gas chemotherapy, will not only kill the cancer cells, it'll also kill the good cells. And so what happens is there's this collateral death going on in the, on the inside, which makes the patient feel like he or she is dying because there is death going on. And folks, that's exactly what I felt. It was as close to death as I think I've ever been. I felt like I was dying. And I didn't know what was going on inside of me until I read. And once I read that, I understood what the chemo was doing. Namely, it was killing the cancer inside of me. And even though it felt weird and even though it felt strange... To kill this strange thing called cancer took this strange stuff called chemotherapy. And even though it was painful and even though I didn't like it, once I understood it is designed to kill this cancer, I was like, bring it on. Bring on that weird chemo stuff. Just kill the cancer. Just get it done. By the way, I had a scan this week and so far all clear. So... The weird chemo is doing its job. Now, folks, let me turn a corner and bring that over to our study. Because what an image of the book of Revelation. What an image of how many people feel about the book of Revelation. Because many people look at the book of Revelation as a weird, bizarre, and strange sort of horror story. And they're like, who would want to read that? Even some pastors consider Revelation as a bad read, certainly as a bad preach. <laughs> but again, folks, it is the most pivotal book in the Bible because it's in this book that the conflict of the ages is brought to resolution. It is in the book of Revelation that evil is destroyed. And yes, this book is weird. Yes, this, this book has some strange phenomenon in it. But it is the most critical book in the Bible, and it is one of the most amazing books in the Bible. By the way, all the strange stuff, all the weird stuff, if you will, in the book of Revelation happens in Revelation 6 through 18, just in that section. Let me say it again. All the strange stuff happens between Revelation 6 
and Revelation 18. And today, we're entering that territory of Revelation chapter 6. So, with that in mind, here's my proposition. Here's what I want us all to walk out the door with today. When we, when we understand what all of these weird phenomenon are doing in Revelation 6 through 18, when we understand what God is accomplishing through all of this, these weird phenomenon, namely, it is killing a cancer on this planet. And when we understand what it's doing, then we're like, oh, okay, God, I get it. It makes sense. Bring on the, bring on the, the, the chemo. Bring on the weird stuff. Just kill the cancer that's on this planet. Just kill it. Now, you might be saying, okay, wait, 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 hold on. What, what do you mean kill the cancer on the planet? What do you mean by that? Well, we're going to find out. As we open the pages of Revelation chapter 6 today. How many of you have your listening guide at all of our campuses? Wave those in the air. If you're a guest with us, we like to take notes. This is one you're going to want to do that. Today is going to come across a lot more like teaching than preaching. So shift gears in your mind and lean in. You ready for Revelation 6? Ready for Revelation 6? All right, let's do it. I want to give you two main thoughts. Number one, the earth is destined for great tribulation. The earth is destined for great tribulation. Now, with that in mind, let's pick it up in verse 1. You follow as I read. I watched as the Lamb opened the first of the seven seals. Now, we went through that all last week. I even demonstrated that up here. Anyway, then I heard one of the four living creatures say in a voice like thunder, Come! Then I looked, and there before me was a white horse. Its rider held a bow, and he was given a crown, and he rode out as a conqueror bent on conquest. Let's stop right there. Because Revelation chapter 6, verse 1, listen to this, marks the beginning of what Jesus called the Great Tribulation. Again, Revelation chapter 6 marks the beginning of this future seven-year period of time on the earth where weird and bizarre and strange phenomenon will happen like has never happened on this earth before and will never happen again. In fact, Jesus gave us a heads up about this coming time. Listen to what he said in Matthew 24. Jesus said, quote, for at that time, there will be great, everybody say it. Say it like you mean it. This is what we're going to be talking about for a while. There will be great tribulation. Yeah. The kind that hasn't taken place from the beginning of the world until now and never will again. So Jesus said there's coming this bizarre time on this planet like has never happened before and never will again. And he coined the phrase, the great tribulation. And that's what we're looking at in Revelation 6. Now, I want to put this in context for you, kind of give you the big picture. Uh, I think that, that helps, especially if you're a guest with us for the first time, to see, okay, where's all this fit? You know, where does this go? So let me give you a quick review. 
We've been saying the book of Revelation, the word revelation from the Greek word apokalupto means to reveal something, means to unveil something. And what is being unveiled in the book of Revelation? It is the future sequence of events that will usher in the return of Christ and the subsequent creation of a whole new earth. That's where Revelation is headed. That's where the future is headed. Now, it helps to remember the book is written in chronological order. If you realize that, it, it, it fits together. It snaps together like a puzzle, and you go, oh, yeah, I get, I get it. So let me give you the sequence of events, the chronological sequence of events, just to help you see where all of this fits. So to begin with, chapter 1 in Revelation, imagine this is time. So chapter 1 takes us back in time to the cross, the crucifixion and resurrection of Christ. That's chapter 1. We spent weeks on chapter 1. Then chapters 2 and 3 bring us into the present, to a time the Bible calls the church age. We are living right now in the church age. We're living right now in Revelation 2 and 3. God is calling out a people for himself. Then Revelation 4 and 5 Four, chapter 4 and 5 gives us a vision of what death is like for a child of God. Chapters 4 and 5 is a trip to heaven. Your body dies, your spirit goes to heaven. But we saw last time that heaven is currently in a war room mode, preparing for this War called the Great Tribulation. So get the sequence. Chapter 1 takes us back to the cross. Chapters 2 and 3 bring us into the present. 4 and 5 give us a view of heaven. But then chapter 6 through 18 brings us back down to the earth for this future period of time that Jesus called the Great what? The Great Tribulation. And that is unfolded in 6 through 19, at the end of 6 through 18, in chapter 19, Christ comes back, he sets up a kingdom, that's chapter 20, and then 21 through 22 is the creation of the new earth. But folks, this period of time called the Great Tribulation is what is unpacked in Revelation 6 through 18. And what transpires on the earth in this period of time, what transpires on the earth will be, again, weird, will be strange, will feel scary, but here's what we need to know about this coming seven-year period of time. Write this down as A and B. Yeah, it's weird, but A, the purpose of the tribulation is to kill a cancer. You say, what cancer? Everybody say sin. Everybody say sin. sin. Yeah, folks, sin is like a cancer. And that cancer penetrated this planet all the way back at the beginning. All the way back in Genesis 3, sin entered the planet, and it entered you and me. You see, sin is not just something you do. Sin is something that we're all born with. It's like a cancer that has been passed on to us. And it started all the way back in the beginning. 
And from there on, it has brought to this earth sorrow and tears and pain and despair and disease and death. That is what sin has done to our home. But that's not all sin does. Write this down as B. Sin is a cancer that pushes, peop- that pushes God out of people's lives. In other words, sin so invades a person's life that it pushes God out of their life. It's like cancer. Cancer so invades the body and multiplies that it pushes life out of the body. Listen, just like that, sin so invades a person that it pushes God out. They have no room for God. They have no desire for God. They have no love for God. That is the effect of sin. It pushes God out of the human life. Now, folks, with that in mind, everybody lean in because what I'm about to say is so important. Satan's ambition is to so push God out of human life that he pushes God out of the world. You see, Satan has hated God ever since God kicked Satan out of heaven. And his agenda is to spread sin and to push God out of our lives to the point that he pushes God out of the earth. And the earth then becomes a world without God. Can you imagine? A world without God. And Satan is spreading this cancer, this disease, primarily through false doctrine, through false religion, and even more powerfully today through the lie called evolution. And more and more and more we are living in a, in a world that longs to be rid of God, we are living more and more and more in a world that longs to be God-less. They want God out of here. They want God out of the world. And let me tell you something, folks. They're going to get their wish. They want a godless world. They want a world without God. That world is coming. Tell you what, hold that thought and write this down as number two. Here's what you need to know. The great tribulation will be like, everybody watch this, will be like what? It's going to be like chemo for the earth. It's going to be weird, it's going to be strange, but it's going to kill a cancer that's on this planet, that pervades this planet. Listen to verse 1 again. I watched as the lamb opened the first of the seven seals. Stop there again. Because the opening of that seal will launch a war on this planet. This seven-year period will be rife with weird plagues and scorpions. We don't look at it all. Weird stuff. But that's what it's going to take to get rid of this weird disease called cancer. Called, I mean, called sin. That is what it's going to take. And it's going to be hard on the earth. It's going to be hard on the people there. But that's God's plan. 
And here's what we need to know about God's plan. Write this down as a. God has a two-stage strategy to kill the cancer. And let me tell you, this strategy is going to, it's weird. It's bizarre. In fact, here's stage one. Write this down as one. God will abandon the earth. God will abandon the earth. Now, with that in mind, listen again to verse one. I watched as the lamb opened the first of the seven seals. Then I heard one of the four living creatures say in a voice like thunder, stop. Is that what he says? No. To the contrary, he says what? He says come. Stop there. Because those words signal a time when God will suspend his protective care over this world. People in in this world want a world without God. They're going to get it. Because Revelation chapter 6 is basically God stepping back from the earth, suspending his protective care, and allowing Satan, demons, and wicked men to take control over the planet. This means all of the forces of God that have stood against sin will stand down against sin and evil. All of the angelic forces that in the past have stopped evil from taking over this world will cease to stop it. In fact, they will invite it to come. The angels will say, come on, Satan, demons, evil men, come on. And God and angel will stand stand back as Satan, demons, and evil men seize control over this world politically militarily and economically. Let me show you what I mean. Listen again to verse 1. I watched as the lamb opened the first of seven seals. Then I heard one of the four, what? Living creatures. Now stop right there. Because that phrase, living creatures, is actually a reference to angels. Specifically, these four angels are the most powerful creatures in the universe, second only to the Godhead. By the way, in a few weeks, we're going to do a series on angels, and it's just amazing. And we're going to look at how God literally weaponizes angels on our behalf. But for now, what I want you to realize is that these four angels, not called angels, specifically called living creatures, these are the four most powerful beings in the world. They exist in a dimension that we cannot perceive. They possess power. They possess energy that is beyond our mental capacity to even get our hands around, our mind around. And we're going to talk about that. But for now, I want you to watch what these four living creatures do. Or better yet, I want you to watch what they don't do. Listen again to verse 1. I watched as the Lamb opened the first of the seven seals. Then I heard one of the four living creatures say in a voice like thunder, Stop! Is that what he says? No, he says what? Come on. 
Watch what happens after that, verse 2. Then I looked, and there before me was a white horse. Its rider held a bow, and he was given a crown, and he rode out as a conqueror bent on conquest. Verse 4. When the lamb opened the second seal, I heard the second living creature say, Stop! Is that what he says? No. What does he say? Come on. Come. Then another horse came out, a fiery red one. Its rider was given power to take peace from the earth and to make people kill each other. To him was given a large what? Yeah, we're going to talk about that large sword. Verse 5. When the lamb opened the third seal, I heard the third living creature say, Stop! What's he say? Yeah, he says, come on. Then I looked, and there before me was a black horse. Its rider was holding a pair of scales in his hand. Then I heard what sounded like a voice among the four living creatures saying, two pounds of wheat for a day's wages and six pounds of barley for a day's wages. Verse 7, when the lamb opened the fourth seal, I heard the voice of the fourth living creature say, Stop! Is that what he says? No, what's he say? Again, come. I looked, and there before me was a pale horse. Its rider was named what? Death. And Hades was following close behind him. Stop there again. Because these four living creatures will no longer say stop. To the contrary, they will say come. They will no longer stand between this earth and global disasters. To the contrary, they will stand down and let it happen. You see, folks, we don't realize, but these four living creatures have been tasked by God to stand between this world and global disaster. They are the four most powerful creatures in the universe. And for thousands and thousands of years, they have stood between our world and political global disaster. They have stopped military global disaster. They have stopped nuclear global disaster. They have stopped economic global disaster. They have said, stop, stop, stop. But there's coming a time when they won't say stop, they'll say come. They'll no longer hold it back, but they will let it happen. In fact, listen to 2 Thessalonians chapter 2. The Bible says, For the secret power of what? Lawlessness is already at work. In other words, this evil is already happening. But watch what's going on. But the one who now, what? Holds it back will continue to hold it back, will continue to do so until he's what? He is taken out of the way. Now stop there. Because who is the one who is currently holding back 
political disaster from this earth? Who is the one who is currently holding back military disaster from this earth? Who is the one who is now holding back nuclear disaster? Who is the one who is holding back economic disaster? Who is the one? Folks, it's simple. It's one of the four living creatures. It is one of those most powerful angels. You want to know what his name is? Here it is. His name is, be back in the coming weeks and I'll tell you what his name is. Because <laughs> we're going to look at all of this. But I want you to watch what happens when God says to this angel, step down. Stop stopping it and let it happen. Watch what happens. For the secret power of lawlessness is already at work. But the one, this angel, who now holds it back will continue to do so until he is taken out of the way. Watch what happens when he he's taken out of the way, verse 8. And then the lawless one will be revealed. You say, who's that? It's the Antichrist. It's, it's the fake Jesus. It's the fake Messiah. And he's going to show up at the beginning of the great tribulation. Because that angel steps down. Listen again to verse 1. Watch this. I watched as the Lamb opened the first of the seven seals. Then I heard one of the four living creatures say in a voice like thunder, Stop! Nope. What's he say? He says, come on. And this angel steps back and watch who shows up. Verse 2. I looked and there before me was a white horse. Guess what kind of horse Jesus comes in on at the second coming? He comes in on a white charger. This is a counterfeit Jesus. This is a counterfeit Messiah. Watch what happens. The rider held a bow, and he was given a crown. Jesus comes back wearing many crowns, and he rode out. He rides out into the earth as a conqueror bent on conquest. Folks, picture it. These four angels will step down, and when they step down, the Antichrist is going to step up. And what God is doing here is he is allowing Satan and his demons to spread over this world like a cancer. And God will be bringing Satan, demons, false prophet, antichrist, everything that Satan has, God will be bringing him all out into the open. And God's going to have all of the forces of Satan in one place, namely on the earth. That is when, write this down as number two, God will attack the cancer. Amen? Amen? And that begins to happen in Revelation chapter 7. And God will attack Satan, demon, false prophet, antichrist, evil men. God will attack them in four or, or excuse me, in two different judgments. Those judgments will be called the trumpet judgments and the bowl judgments. As God just dumps his judgment like bowls out on the earth. And then 
at the end of that seven-year period, Christ comes back to the earth at the second advent, the second coming. He comes back as the king of kings. He wipes them out in a battle called the Battle of Armageddon. And then God sets up a kingdom with Christ as the ruler on this earth. And he destroys the powers of Satan. And in the end, he creates a whole new planet just for us. You see, when you, when you realize all of this weird stuff, this is why people don't want to read the book of Revelation. It's why preachers have basically thrown the book out of the Bible. But when you read it, you realize, no, 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 this is good. This is the chemo. Yeah, it feels weird. Yeah, it feels strange. Yeah, it sounds bizarre. But it is God's way of getting rid of a cancer and giving us back our earth for us to have forever. See, one of, the, one of the things I love telling people is that if you're a believer, you're not going to spend eternity in heaven like a spirit, like a ghost floating around on a cloud playing a harp. Heaven's only temporary. You weren't meant for heaven. You weren't meant to be a ghost. You're meant to have a body, a soul, and a spirit. And you're meant to live not in the clouds. You're meant to live on a three-dimensional geographical earth. And that's exactly what we're going to get in the end. So, when we read all of this weird stuff, it, it's, it's just the what? It's just the what? It's just the chemo. To get rid of a cancer. And in the end, Revelation 22, before the Bible closes out, it says there will be no more curse. Revelation 21 says, I saw a new earth. Revelation 22 says, no more curse. Translation, no more sin, no more cancer. Sorrow, disease, pain, suffering, death, all gone, all passe. And we go into a new world, a lot like this one, with fun and joy and challenges, but without the curse of sin. Now, you know, Christians will often say or often ask, well, okay, that tribulation period, that time, you know, maybe you're throwing this. Will Christians go through that time of tribulation? If we're alive, will we go through that? Will we be left here on the earth to endure that? Well, here's the answer. Be back in the coming weeks. Because <laughs> we're going to tackle it. There's a lot of debate about that. But I want to close by giving you something that's not debatable. Write this down as B. You will face tribulation now. You will go through tribulation now. In fact, listen to what Jesus said in John 16. These things have I spoken unto you, that in me you might have peace. In the world ye shall have what? What? Tribulation. But be of good cheer. I have overcome the world. Now stop right there, because before Jesus left... He not only said, hey, there's coming this great time called the Great Tribulation. It's going to be like chemotherapy. It's going to take back the earth. It's going to kill the cancer on the earth. But he said, oh, by the way, in this life, you're going to have tribulation. You're going to have tribulation. You see, for some of us, <laughs> you know, we love this Great Tribulation thing. You know, it's going to be great. It's going to be God's way. But for some of us, we've got tribulation now. You know, some of you have got marriage tribulation. Some of you've got financial tribulation. 
Some of you have health tribulation. Some of you have a business tribulation. Some of you have a job tribulation. You see, if you've never been through tribulation in this world, hang around. It'll come. Jesus said you will have tribulation. It's a part of life. But here's what I, here's what I love. Most often, God does not take us out of the tribulation. He allows us to go through the tribulation. Right? God didn't take Noah out of the flood. He took him through the flood. God didn't take Daniel out of the lion's den. He took him through the lion's den. God didn't take Shadrach, Meshach, Abednego out of the fiery furnace. He let him go through the fiery furnace. He didn't take Jesus out of the cross. He took Jesus through the cross. See, God tends to not take us out of tribulation. He tends to take us through tribulation. He walks with us. He encourages us. He helps us navigate great tribulations in our lives. And some of you are going through that. But Jesus said, be of good cheer. He said, I've overcome it. You say, meaning what? Meaning he says, he's saying, I got through it. (laughs) And he can give you the power to get through it. He can get you through the marriage sadness that you have. He can get, the, through you, get you through the divorce that you're going through. He can get you through the cancer that you're dealing with. He can get you through the, the sadness that you deal with. He can get you through the child problem that you're having in your life. He can get you through this business crisis that you go. He can get you through it. But he tends to take us through it, doesn't he? I remember when I first found out I might have cancer, I was like, no, God, please. I got too much to do. I'm too busy. I don't have time for cancer. Take it away. And God's answer was, I'm not going to take it away, but I'll get you through it. I'll get you through 12 rounds of chemo. It's going to be painful. It's going to be weird. It's going to be strange, but I'll get you through it. And you know what? Even if the cancer comes back, folks, he'll get me through that. If you hear, oh, it's back on Blackwood. It's okay. He'll get me through that. And even if he doesn't get me through it, he'll get me through death. He'll get me through that and take me to the best place I could ever go to and and then bring me back to an eternal home. I don't take us through it. The Bible doesn't say, yea, though I walk out of the valley of the shadow of death. It says, yea, though I walk, what? Through it. God will get you through everything, including death, and bring you to be with him. He'll get you through it. He'll get me through it. Everybody say, he'll get me through it. it. Say, he'll get me through it. Because that's what he does with his kids. See, if you're a Christian, you're his kid. You're his son. You're his daughter. And that's what he does. He walks us through it. He gets us through it. But listen, he only does that for his kids. He only does that for his own. But maybe, maybe you're here today and maybe you're not a believer. You know, maybe, maybe you haven't been to church in a long time and maybe this is your first time in a church. And Man, oh man, are we glad you're here. But let me tell you, if you're here and you're not a believer, you're not here by accident. You're here by a providential act of God. You were meant to be here. You were meant to hear what you just heard. 
And if there's something in you right now that's saying, wow, I wish I was a part of that journey with God. I wish that was my future. I wish I had God to walk me through things. I wish God was my father like that. I wish I was headed for the new earth. Well, listen, if that's what you're, you're wishing for, here's the great news. God wishes that for you. He wants to have you with him forever. He wants to take you into that new earth, give you a home there. And he wants to walk with you through this earth. He wants to give you everlasting life. You say, how do I receive that? We see one of the problems that all of us have is we're born into this world with sin, right? We have a cancer. It's called sin. It's killing us. But here's the good news. The blood of Christ is like chemotherapy. It just washes all the sins away. And how do you receive that? How do you receive full, total, forever forgiveness of sins? It's so simple. It's not simplistic, but it's uncluttered. The Bible says this, everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved, will receive eternal life. So what do you do to receive eternal life? You don't have to sign anything. You don't have to become a member of anything. You don't have to become religious. That religion will take you away from God. It's personal. It's relational. He says, all you have to do is come to him and ask him. Call out to him. And he'll give you eternal life today. And you can begin to follow him in this life. Why don't you do that if you've never done that? Why don't you begin that relationship? Receive eternal life by calling on him. In fact, let's have every head bowed, every eye closed at all of our, all of our campuses. And if you'd like to do that today, why don't you pray and ask him to give you eternal life? You know, you might be saying, well, Rick, I'm not sure what to say. I, I don't know how to phrase it. Well, listen, listen, let me help you. Let me lead you in a prayer. And you pray this prayer not to me. You pray it to God with all of your heart because he's listening with all of his. By the way, this is not a scripted prayer. This is not a poem. So pray it with all of your heart. Dear Heavenly Father, what an amazing plan that you have for this world and for my life. And thank you for reaching out to me today. Thank you for awakening my heart and my soul. And thank you for inviting me to receive eternal life. And so right now, Lord, I open the door to my life. I open the door to my heart and I invite you to come in. I ask you to wash away this cancer of sin through the blood of Christ. Take away my present sins, my past sins, and even my future sins. Forgive them all. And give me a new life. Give me everlasting life.
Lord, thank you for loving me. Thanks for not giving up on me. Thanks for pursuing me. And thank you for giving me eternal life. May I from this day forward spend the rest of my life following you, obeying you, serving you, loving you, and being loved by you. In your precious name I pray. Amen. We hope that you enjoyed that message as much as we did. If you want to take your next step as a believer, let us know by filling out a connection card at cfmemory.org connect. We want to thank you so much for joining us, and we'll see you next time.